Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And we are really excited to do the show this week. Yes. I got to be honest, I was a little worried about it. And the reason why <laughs> is because... You were? The, well, it, this is an unsung, not very often talked about right. film. Mm-hmm. It's a Disney movie. I just didn't know how much interest we were going to get. And Right, right. And then... and. It, to to give you a bit of a backstory, everybody, uh, we a, a very dear friend of ours, yes, and a fan of the show, someone we knew long before we did the show. Exactly. Oh yeah, totally. I was I took uh, classes with her at um in college. Yeah, and she's just awesome. Yeah, she threw out, "Hey, have you guys ever thought about doing Disney's The Black Cauldron?" Right, because she uh, had watched it, and her, I think her and her boyfriend were like, "What? Right, is happening?" And we were like. Right. Sounds strange. Let's do it. Well, <laughs> I know I'd heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, as a kid or? Yeah, well, I'd never seen it growing up. Yeah, this this is, yeah, that's, I, I think on our Instagram post we put, this is a new to us oldie. Yeah. I Now, I'd heard of it and I wanted to see it as a right. kid. I remember being like, ooh, but mom was like, no, it's too dark. You can't watch that. Well, The Black Cauldron is pretty dark, actually. It is. In fact, it's, it's the first, I'm getting this off some basic, you know, internet research I did. And according to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. because I mean, you know, I, it's not like I have, it's not like we know the people that made the film. We don't know, <laughs> we don't know Disney execs or historians. No, you know? we do Then not. again, I think if you're an 80s and 90s kid, you should be a Disney historian we anyway. Are, we are Disney historians. But according to Wikipedia, it is it was the first Disney animated feature, I believe, yes, to receive a PG rating. It is, yes. And it definitely is a PG film. Like, I, I wouldn't... Oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, like it's dark. I definitely think there was was some imagery in it that would probably frighten little kids. Mm-hmm. But the Black Cauldron is based on a book. Technically, it's it's got stuff from two books. Right. Yeah. It's based on mainly though on yeah. a book called The Black Cauldron. Right. Which is the second book of a five part series called The Chronicles of Prydain, written by Lloyd Alexander between the years nineteen sixty four. In 1968. And we need to read these books, especially yes. after watching this and finding out that these are really uh, acclaimed books. Yeah, I had a friend, a couple people, but a, a good friend immediately messaged me after I posted about it because, you know, we post on the tape store, but I'll reshare on stuff Instagram. on my personal Instagram as well. Right. And she was like, whoa. I love these books. And she's like, they're Welsh, because she's like a big Welsh like, right. person. She's like, they're, they're Welsh history. They're amazing. There's five books, and it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, even though the even though the Disney film is only 80 minutes, but even in that short amount of time, 80 minutes for a film, there was a lot of depth. Like, I wanted to know more. I want to read these books. We were not ready, just, uh, we were not ready for it to end when it ended. Well, there was a few things we weren't ready for that was really surprising. Let me just say overall, I really, really don't understand how this was considered a disappointment because it was I actually. Know. Yeah. Because it was released on July 26th, 1985. Right. And was considered a box office disappointment. It made $21 million. And compared to its budget, it was considered, again, you know, a disappointment. It fell short of expectations. Yeah. And it wasn't released on video until 1998. So another unique thing about The Black Cauldron yeah. is it was an 80s. And kind of a '90s movie too. Yeah, because I, I remember I I remember it coming out and being like, "But this is old." Right. I mean, I mean, I, I know don't like re- yeah. they they would re-release things from the vault and stuff like that. Sure. But like, it had never been out. Yeah, and I think that might have been 
why it's so confusing. Yeah. Because it, it's almost like it, it came out two different times. It yeah. Ca- I mean, it came out on video 13 years after it was initially released, and obviously 21 million, it, it didn't do well. Right. I guess a, a whole lot of people didn't go see it. And we, I know um, I know it was a different tone. It's a different tone from... It's it's uh, really not a... And, and, and we're going to get into this particular thing that I'm about to say, or at least I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reads like a Don Bluth film. And yeah. if you're familiar, if you're an 80s and 90s kid, you are familiar with Don Bluth in that it is much darker, usually, in, in subject matter than Disney. And that's how it reads right. to me. I was like, okay, this is not a Disney film. Like, in my right. head, it doesn't feel like Disney. But I want to say, again, that I just... We loved this movie. Oh, absolutely. Loved this movie. And, you know, again, we and we've talked about this with Jeff mm-hmm. when we talked about Labyrinth and Willow and how these really great fantasy films in the 80s, the mid-80s, were not well-received. I don't know what the deal is, and I don't know if it's related to that trend. Um, I definitely think there's some other factors, again, like it not being that lighthearted, right. uh, usual tone or motif that Disney goes for. But this was incredible. It really was. And like I know when we posted about it the other day, right. we weren't expecting people to be like, oh my God, this is it. Like people were yeah, commenting. I love this. And like, yeah, I'm so interested. It's so, yeah. Yeah, and, which was cool. I was like, okay, great. Like other people have feelings about this movie right. too. A little bit more information. It was directed by Ted Berman and Richard Rich. Richie mm, Rich. Yep. <laughs> no, Richard, Richard Rich, that's like a. Yeah, they previously uh, directed Fox and the Hound. Yeah, because I was like, I, I remember seeing that yeah. name. Again, released July 26, 1985, on video 1998. And let's just jump right in. And Let's do it. We open with the classic Walt Disney Pictures logo. Yes. That shows the Magic Kingdom kind of with the lines on it, the, mm-hmm. the horizontal lines with the blue background and that. Yeah. I should have let you do it. Take it away. Yeah, you should you should always do the voices and the melodies. Accurate. I miss that. We talked about a meeting. Yes. So we got to talk about how we miss all the, the old intro, the old eighties and early nineties Disney films and animated features. I remember Homer Bound has that, oh. uh, and a lot of them had the Rescuers Down Under, and yes, you know, I'm well, really all of them up until like computer animated stuff started happening. Yeah, now really it's up this, until Toy now Story. it's this realistic yeah pullback of like the Magic Kingdom looks like it's real yeah. and, and it looks cool, but. I remember when Toy Story came out and they first had the, the Andy's birthday party, you know, music. Yeah, the over pic, the, that's the Pixar. And I was, yeah, but it was Disney. And I was like, oh. Like I, it, uh, yeah, I just miss how they I do remember that. it being cool, but I but now I'm like, oh, I, I miss, miss it. the. I miss that, that just noise, that little, that little whistle. Yeah. I miss. Yes. It was great. Uh-huh. So we, we had that little opening and it, it was nice just to have that. We had, to, we had to focus on that for a minute, guys. So <laughs> I, I put in the notes in all caps, we missed that. <laughs> The prologue, you know, because a lot of these fantasy films, even Lord of the Rings 2001 has this incredible You have to set up the universe. Right. So we have a little prologue narrated by actor John Huston. And here it is. Legend has it, in the mystic land of Prydain, there was once a king so cruel and so evil that even the gods feared him. Since no prison could hold him, he was thrown alive into a crucible of molten iron. There, his demonic spirit was captured in the form of a great black cauldron. For uncounted centuries, the black cauldron lay hidden, waiting while evil men searched for it, knowing whoever possessed it would have the power to resurrect an army 
of deathless warriors, and with them rule the world. And then we have the reveal of the title of the film, The yes. Black Cauldron in this like Celtic like middle yeah. middle England uh, like a what is it uh, middle English medieval yeah. you know looking script Celtic yeah it looks really cool we open in this beautiful setting a cottage in this little forest slash meadow it's obviously long ago another time another place mm-hmm. in the cottage an old man pours over old parchments <laughs> and get ready by the way guys this this film what one of the things that really shocked us is yeah. this thing is chock full of references to the lord of the rings yes heavy like, heavy references like i'm to the point where i wonder if peter jackson who directed lord of the rings absolutely uh, 2001 2002 2003 the, the entire lord of the rings trilogy did he watch this a bunch of times right and, and just love the feel of it or something and the imagery and, and 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 some of that yeah even though obviously lord of the rings already had a tremendous universe before the film but right the black cauldron has a lot of things that i was like hold on yeah <laughs> What is this? Yeah, it was like I was watching parts of the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah, like animated or something. Yeah, even the Lord of the Rings, the books were written long before of Black, course. the Black Cauldron. But of course. But I mean, just put to, but I think what we're honing in on, especially, is visually. Right. Like, visually, it looks watching like it in the a movies. Film. Right. It's crazy. It will, and just the themes, obviously. Yes. You know? and, and just like we discussed with Willow. It's based, this is based on English folklore. Right. And Tolkien was a master of the classics. Right. So it makes sense that we would see shadows of yeah. what he wrote And we about. just noticed that when we were watching The Black Cauldron. A lot of this, we just couldn't help but think of the similarities. Yeah. When, you know, when we and have. It, it, and honestly. It, the it, visual similarities. It contributed and, to our experience for us. We were right. kind of like, okay, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I wasn't like, oh, rip off. I wasn't like that at mm-hmm. all. No, you know? it was good. So. We had this cottage, and an old man is pouring over parchments. And, and what made me think of Lord of the Rings is immediately Brooke was like, uh, "I'm thinking about Gandalf." Yeah, when he's in Minas Tirith and he's and he's right. trying to figure out stuff about the ring. I was like, "Ah, right. yes." <laughs> so th- th- this man in the cottage is is talking about trouble coming and speaks of the horned king. Yes, as he feels it, you know, he can he feel the trouble it, in yeah, his bones. In his bones, and mentions like, "Oh, even the fair folk." You they, know, like they probably feel it. Yeah, even they though, probably like, feel you it. Know. So, so, okay, you're like, who are the fair folk? You know, so they're kind of throwing out some things mm-hmm. that horn king, fair folk. Okay, and me with my with my British lit background, I'm like, ah, yes, we're talking about English folks. We're talking about you know fairies because that was a well known right folklore legend. So yeah, I was there. This old man's name is Dalbin, and he is voiced by actor Freddie Jones, and with him lives a young boy named Taryn. And he's voiced by Grant Bardsley. Bardsley. Taryn is staring out the window, and it's clear that he is bored with his current life. Yeah, he's a dreamer. Yeah, he's a dreamer. He wants to fight these great wars that are going on in, in, in the world outside, you know, mm-hmm. his little cottage in the meadow with Dalbin. But Which, again, mad Frodo and Bilbo vibes. Right, and also... Again, th- one of the messages in this whole situation is nothing is as it seems. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, something really incredible, uh, the, the real adventure is often right under your nose. And right. it actually is, yes. as we're going to find. Dalbin rebukes the boy's dreaming and reminds Taryn of his chores. And they, they seem to have a nice little life. They have a cat, you know. and Yeah, it's the, sweet. It's quaint. And, and Taryn is sent outside and to do his chores, one of his chief responsibilities, in fact, it is his chief responsibility, right. he's a pig keeper. 
<laughs> Actually, he's an assistant pig keeper. Assistant. Dalbin is the pig keeper. Taryn is the assistant pig keeper. That's got and and I, that's got to be like the you know the the lowest right. rung of a of a position. Like and, I'm not even the pig keeper. Yeah. I'm an assistant. And he's responsible over one pig, just one. It's not like they have a whole <laughs> no, group just of one them. One little piggy. And her name is Henwen. And is incredibly cute. Yeah, cute. Yeah, like precious little piggy. Yeah. So Taryn's out there doing his chores, and he's like, again, he starts dreaming again of being a hero in the land of Perdane. And he has a stick, and he starts pretending it's a sword, and he starts kind of romping around with the animals and pretending they're bad guys and stuff. He's interrupted by Dalbin, who once again says, hey, you need to do your chores. And, of course, you know, Taryn's complaining about his job mm-hmm. as, a, as assistant pig keeper. <laughs> assistant to the pig keeper. Assistant yeah. to the pig keeper. <laughs> to which we get our first clue that... You know, nothing is quite what it seems. Right. Dalbin replies that Henwen is an important pig. And he orders Taryn to bathe Henwen, you know, give her a bath. Mm-hmm. And when he does, suddenly the pig freaks out inexplicably. Yeah. Like which she's is having a good old time and then suddenly yeah. is not okay. This question is never really answered. Because, obviously, spoiler alert, it, it, it's it's this temper tantrum that Henwen throws in the bath that eventually kind of leads to the greater adventure. Right. I don't know if it's just like, unless it's just, you know, the greater fates that be, the benevolent forces that be, have decided now it's time to begin, you know, the hero's journey. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, if this, I mean, I don't want to say it before you get there. Well, no, I mean, to reference Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've read the (laughs) books, and the books essentially explain that, you know, the ring being lost... And right. all these things were not just by chance. That mm-hmm. there, there is this, you know, greater force, this benevolent force that is that is causing things yeah. to happen, and guiding things to yeah. help to help. Th- yeah, it's not all reliant on the people on the ground. Right. It's not ch- chance. Is not is not so much the order right. of the day. So I don't think it was by chance that Henwin 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 freaks out. I think that it was meant to happen. I think it was meant to happen. I also think that. You know the nature of what Henwin's gifting is. There's there's a there's a second sight there, right? There's so, like they she, she knows. Yeah, so we'll she get into it. it. Yeah, Henwin throws a fit while she's being bathed, and I mean it's inexplicable. Dalbin though sees what's happening mm-hmm. and he immediately says, "Bring her inside." So Taryn brings her inside, and Dalbin performs magic. Yeah, surprise. Yeah, he, he is he, he ta- like he takes a bowl of water out and he. And he has Henwen basically touch her snout to this bowl of water. Yeah. And, and he says this incantation kind of thing. Yeah. And as he stirs the bowl of water, when Henwen touches her snout to the water, <clears throat> th- they begin to see a vision in the water. Yeah. So Henwen ha- has this ability to, you know, bring about these visions. Right. Well, we see the Horn King or like a, kind of a shadow of him. Yeah. You know, and Dalbin. It's like him on the on the yeah. thing, the yeah. dragon thing. Yeah, Dalbin identifies it's the Horn King, and he's searching for the mysterious black cauldron, an awesome weapon that has been hidden for centuries. So obviously, the Horn King bad. Yes. And if he finds the black cauldron, even more bad. Worse. Right. Yes. If we can't get any more worse than that, we have right. a really bad guy <laughs> looking for a really powerful weapon. Henwin then appears in the vision. Mm-hmm. To which Dalbin says, oh, no, like he surmises the Horn King must know that Henwen sees him. 
knows about the yeah knows about her her second sight. So now is the hero's journey. This yeah, and I was like, Toby is the hero's journey. Right, <laughs> Taryn gets his his wish that yeah. the, the, the dream, the call to adventure. Dalbin, we then have him packing he supplies. Th- he's, he he doesn't have a choice. He is thrust into the action. Right, and of course he accepts. Yeah, and he's excited. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Dalbin packs supplies for ta- uh, for Taryn. He must take Henwin to a hidden cottage at the edge of the Forbidden Forest and wait for him. Exactly like yes. we were immediately like, I felt like we were watching a scene he from Village like, of You must leave quickly. Make for yeah. the village of Bree. It's when Gandalf. It's the same. It's when they discover that the ring is yeah. the ring. Yeah. And Gandalf packs. Literally you know, the same crap. The, like the, cheese yeah. and bread. Yeah. For Frodo to go to a village and wait for him. Mm-hmm. At the end of the yeah, bronzing pony. Echoes the scene from Fellowship, yeah, where Gandalf is sending Frodo off on his adventure. Apparently before now, only Dalbin knew of Henwin's secret magic, but now the Horn King knows. Right, and again, like the ring, it's like when, when you know, Henwin's in that water having those visions, There's a, there was some kind of an ability. Like a palantir. For him, yes, like for pal- him to see it. The so palantir. It's the same, yeah. again. So not know? only do you need to watch... <laughs> The this Black is Cauldron. A, this hopefully, is really a two-in-one episode. Yeah, hopefully you've read Lord of the Rings, yeah. I promise. Or we, watch the 80s cartoons. I promise we will stay mostly on the Black Cauldron. We will, but yeah. you can't deny the, the no, you know, that's um, one of the interesting. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about this movie. Um, Taron is just ready to take on anything. In fact, he's like, I don't, I'm not afraid of the Horn King, and, he, and to which Dalvin says, then you're foolish. Mm-hmm. And he, he says what, what I think is one of the best quotes of the entire movie. If not the, mm-hmm. he says, untried courage is no match for his evil. Yeah. And I love that, you know, which means like, look, if you want to be a courageous warrior, you can't, you don't just become one. You have you to. You got to go through some stuff. You have to go through some stuff. Your courage has to be tested. Right. right? And, I, and he says, you know, I'll meet you right. at this hut, which if, if you're a seasoned audience member, you know, he ain't going to find you at that hut. Right. Y'all aren't going to meet no hut. Something's going to happen. Right, it's not going to go. So nothing, just, yeah, it's not going to go. Yeah, you know, standard adve- adventure movie. Yeah, nothing goes as planned. So Dalbin and Taryn tenderly embrace. Taryn leaves. So then we go to the castle of the Horned King. It looks just like Baradur yes. from from Lord of the Rings, which is Sauron. No, the, like the, the, main, soon, the main the main bad guy's castle. As soon as they show it, I was like, "Are those fell beasts?" Yeah, you, I was like his entrance is super creepy. His head <laughs> his head just suddenly kind of comes into frame when he's in this room, Ugh. and he walks over to his dead army. It's this basically pile of skeletons. Yeah, bag of bones. And he speaks of resurrecting them once again. Once he gets his hands on the cauldron, mm-hmm. so and also the Horn King is voiced by the excellent Ugh. John Hurt. Uh, our friends with at the uh, Black Case Diaries podcast that was one of the first things they uh, heralded about this movie, and I yeah. second it. I we love John Hurt so much. Yeah, he's great. Anything he does is going to be gold. So we know, like, okay, this is going to be a bad dude. Yeah, it's it's only about maybe. Yeah, you know, it's only a few seconds, but mm. it's just to let everyone know: here's the Horn King, and he's horrible, and he has really, really awful plans. Right. <laughs> uh, for you he's know, gonna have, he's he's gonna have a a a crew that is cauldron born. He yes, says, that's, yeah, bad plans for the land of Prydane. Yes. So we go back to Taryn's journey. You know, whole mood changes. Taryn couldn't be happier <laughs> now that he's on what he truly feels is a real adventure. A key moment is when they stop to take a drink from a pond. Uh, and he gets lost in his imagination. This is really important because mm-hmm. in the in the pond, Taryn sees kind of what he's imagining 
what want, he wants. what he wants to be and what he believes he will become. He sees that himself, we see an image of Terran mm-hmm. as this armor-clad warrior with a sword and, and you hear cheers from crowds. That's what he wants, mm-hmm. you know? He's a young boy. It makes right. sense. And that's what his idea of being heroic and what courage will earn him. Mm-hmm. What yeah. that, to him, that's what being a warrior means. This is important to know yeah. because I think, for me, the most powerful message has to do with this. Right. This is the first part of it. While he's doing that, Henwin runs off. Why? I don't know because Henwin seems like a pretty smart little animal. Well, I know. She kind of like... I mean, it's just gone. The little thing has visions, but she just runs off into a field. But then again, does into, she? Yeah. Well, I, she's gone. Right. We don't know t- fully. T- yeah. Taryn gives chase into the forest and meets a spastic, shaggy little dog named Gurgi. <laughs> G-U-R-G-I. Gurgi sounds and at times even acts like, again, a character from Lord of the Rings, Gollum. But... The Sounds, Andy Circus version yeah, of like, Gollum. Has his that voice that nasally Yeah, he talks like this. Yeah. It's th- right. not normal because this movie came out in eighty five. Right. And we're talking about the two thousand one, you know, yeah. uh he even, he even refers to himself in third person. Yep. Like Gurgi doesn't like this. Yeah, Gurgi. Yeah. And calls Terran master. It's it's nuts, guys. Yeah. Terran and Gurgi suddenly hear Henwen squeal. And right, they whatever. hear the squeal, so they both run to the sound, and they find Henwen being pursued by a large flying dragon. To Terran's dismay, the dragon does steal Henwen and flies off. And Terran vainly gives chase, and he can run no further when he encounters a cliff, and he has to helplessly essentially watch these dragons just fly off into the distance. Yeah, Far beyond where the dragons are flying is... The ominous castle of the into Horned King. presumably Mordor because it looks yeah. just like it, it really does. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it, there's so much. It's uncanny. Like there's just so much mimicry there. We'll have to do a side by side. So so far, the Lord of the Rings stuff is heavy here, right? Dalbin is like Gandalf. Terran is like a Frodo. Mm-hmm. Gurgi is like Gollum, except except not like at war with it. Well, not, he is kind of at war with himself, well, but not in that way. Not sinister. You know, he has. He, he's not after the cauldron or right, anything like yeah, that. He, he's yeah. just a Go- foil. Gollum had very, very overarching sinister motives. Right. Uh, this Gur- is just like a little fun, yeah. like side thing. Henwen slash the Black Cauldron really serve both as being symbolic of the ring. Yeah, they do. Right. They do. So Taryn resolves to save Henwen. You know, so he's like, I got to go to this castle. I don't care how bad it is. I've mm-hmm. got to save Henwen. Gurgi refuses to go out of fear. So Terran goes it alone. Makes it all the way to the castle. Even makes it partly up, up the castle. Yeah. yeah. And then into is able to slip inside through a small opening. Is nearly discovered when a guard dog catches him. But the owner doesn't realize what, that, you know, what the dog sees. So he's right. able to kind of get past a guard. Get past a dog. And then from like a balcony is able to spy out this large dining hall. So he's kind of watching what's going on yeah. here. Filled with the worst people. Oh, yeah. Filled with the worst people. They're drinking, they're eating, and being entertained oh. by this belly-dancing, gypsy-looking They have an woman. affinity for, I'll say, curvy women. Yeah, like voluptuous. Yes. and the, I mean, I'm mad at it. I'm just saying... It's a little. It was a little adult it's, in places. Well, it's PG, right? We can it's, see it's that. It's definitely PG. This is definitely one of the PG scenes. Eight year olds are going <clears> to <throat> have a little bit of a like a oh wow yeah. what's happening right. here thing. So yeah, PG stuff going on right. definitely. 
<laughs> yeah, in, lots in, of lots of beer and, and and one lady in the dining hall of the Horn King. The festivities are interrupted though by the Horn King himself, who silently just walks in. Everything party's over. <laughs> he walks in, they just stop, <laughs> which is kind of like I'm like if I were a bad guy, I'd be like, no, let's let's keep having fun. I don't know, but he just walks in. No, like, he is like, listen. Everybody he sits. Up. He doesn't say anything. He just comes in and sits down. In his cloud of like glory. Yeah. Henwin is brought in. One of his attendants, actually his main attendant, is this little goblin creature named <laughs> named Creeper. Of course it's Creeper. <laughs> who demands who demands that Henwin show the Horn King where the cauldron is. That's the whole reason why Henwin was uh, Brought there, yeah. So they set a bowl of water before, and Henwin refuses, obviously. Because right. it's not like these are nice people. No. So Creeper attempts to force her, which pulls a reaction from Taryn. And that gives up his cover. I mean, yeah. his cover's blown. Right. He's discovered. So he's brought before the Horn King, who identifies Taryn as the owner of what he calls the Oracular Pig. Oracular mm. Pig. Like Oracle. So, yeah, Oracle. Yeah. yeah, which is apparently what Henwen is. So, right. so she's this special animal that has an ability. So the Horn King orders Terran to order Henwen to reveal the location of the cauldron. Otherwise, he's going to kill Henwen. And this goes against everything, you know, his, you know, his master told him to do. Like, don't right. don't he, show yeah. them. He's already messed up. He already feels like a, you know, like he's failed yeah. by losing to, uh, Henwen. So to have her killed yeah. would be even worse. So when she's threatened, he agrees to do it. Yeah. So... He orders Henwen to reveal her magic and the location. And as it's happening, the Horn King's like unable to sit still. Yeah. So he has to get up and see. Like once the water starts to swirl and glow and all, as the as the visions, I guess, come in clear, yeah. he can't wait. Yeah, it's like it's so, happening. So he starts to peer over Terran's shoulder and it startles him because he looks up and you got this skeleton. By the way, the, what does the Horn King look like? We haven't even talked about he that. He looks like I mean, he's he he's he's a skeleton. Yeah, but he's, like he's a like, phantom. Looking yeah, thing? he's got like a, a like a, a reddish like tattered cloak. Yeah, and he has like a skeleton face. He's just very scary. He's yeah, very horrifying. And his hands are really bony and scary. And his hands his hands bother me more than anything. Right. I don't know why they just yeah, bother I, me so much. Yeah, I realize we we never described yeah. what he looks like. You know, he, he he's very very. Frightening looking. Yeah. So definitely when, unsettling. So, so to look over your shoulder and, and see it, that. And he's peering, right. It'd be unsettling. So it startles Terran and it's, <laughs> it spills the bowl of water, which causes this chaos. And the Horn King's unable to see the location of the cauldron, <laughs> right? Terran uses this diversion to take Henwin and escape. Uh, or at least attempt to escape. Right. He's half successful. Terran is able to throw Henwen off the castle tower and into the moat, which is, you know, the water that right. surrounds the castle. But he is captured before he can get away and is thrown into the dungeon. In the dungeon, Terran thinks all is lost. He begins to despair and he is interrupted <laughs> when a beautiful young girl, I mean, comes out of nowhere. Like he's sitting there and right. boom, she just pops up out from underground. <laughs> so I guess she's, I guess this young girl has been tunneling under yeah. the ground. Right. <laughs> It just comes out of nowhere. Or maybe her cell is below his. Who I don't knows? know. They're neighbors. And she's like this blonde girl. She's she's wearing a dress and you know, she looks very sweet. She's very attractive. She's got the little medieval medieval girl vibes. Right. Her name is Princess Ilanwi. Mm-hmm. She's voiced by Susan Sheridan. 
she's accompanied by this this floating orb of light, which is called a bubble. Mm-hmm. And she needs help escaping. She's like, Taryn, you know, do you want to come with me? But and, she's, in, I just, she is incredibly peppy for someone yeah, for who is situation. imprisoned by a skeleton right. phantom ghost. Yeah, she's like, I'm trying to get out of here. I was kind of yeah. like, okay, Luna Lovegood. Like, she really right. is kind of like, huh? She doesn't seem to understand. She's it's in a, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, yeah, she's, so she's like, she's nice. Yeah, she's like, I'm trying to escape. You want to come with? And Taryn's like, sure. Like, what else do I have to do but die? So we, we get a little bit of Ilanwi's backstory. She's a princess who was taken captive by the Horn King because he wanted her bauble, which is that glowing He thought bauble. it could tell him where the cauldron was. Right. Which, I don't think this thing talks. It just I guess shines. I guess it didn't work. It just, well, it's very useful, but it seems to only help Ilanwi. And, yeah. you know, it, it's only loyal to her. Right. And that that's only, you know, what I noticed by just kind of... They don't give you an incredible amount of information where that's concerned other than it didn't work right. for him. So right. he just is like, whatever, you'll it stay It just in jail. seems to kind of be her little companion. Right. This little floating orb of light. So Taryn and Ilanwi make fast friends. And right. And they begin to travel kind of through the bowels of the castle. They're like in these catacombs. Yeah. And the bauble is leading them. And it takes them into this big room where there's a sarcophagus. So it's obviously this burial chamber of yeah. someone of great someone great. Of great importance. Mm-hmm. On the sarcophagus, Taryn finds a peculiar looking sword. Yeah. And he takes it. Soon after they are interrupted by Creeper bringing this cart of dead bodies. Yeah. Into one of the rooms in the catacombs. It took us a minute to realize what that was. We thought it was treasure. At yeah, first. we had to rewind it. And they were like, "Oh, of course." Uh, Amen. Because you got to remember what the horned king wants to do. Yeah. Which is resurrect the this dead army. Yeah. So we were like, "Oh, of course they they're he's adding to his potential army." Right. So Taryn and very creepy. Taryn and Alanwi, you know, continue on. Taryn now armed with this sword, and they find in another room another prisoner mm-hmm. a very funny and very entertaining <laughs> uh, older man a musician named fluter flam yes he's voiced by he's a, a troubadour right yeah. like a, a bard yeah. or he like calls a, himself yeah i was gonna say minstrel but yeah i mean and, and it's the same right you're right you're both we're both right uh, <laughs> another great actor voices uh fluter and his name is nigel hawthorne oh so good. Great, yeah. The late Nigel Hawthorne, oh, but, but he was uh, excellent. He's won uh, British Academy Television Awards, uh, won a Tony Award, so he's, yeah, he's excellent. It. Nigel yeah. Hawthorne. And he is the self-proclaimed greatest singer in the land. <laughs> he's hilarious. And and he, he, he was the perfect balance of comic relief that, you know, mm-hmm. he kept things light when they needed to be throughout the story. Because this is kind of dark. And there and it's a very unlikely pairing, yeah. you know, uh, with, him, with him and uh, the, the two young people. Right. But it works so beautifully. Well, it's clear that Fluter is a friendly. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So. He was probably in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Taryn and Ilanwi help him escape. They kind of untie him. Yeah. There's a guard hanging around. He leaves. They untie him. Right. And then they move on. It's like he's he's not with them immediately. It's kind of like. Well, they get his one hand undone. Yeah, they tie untie one of his hands and then they move on. Yeah. And. Some guards pounce on him. They're actually caught. Yeah, so they got to get out of there. And this he tells Im- them. He's like, go. Yeah, this is important because Taryn is attacked by a guard who swings his axe at him. And, of course, we know Taryn now has the sword. Yeah. So Taryn, again, he's not skilled in combat. No. But he's desperate in, in a desperate situation. He, he holds the sword up 
And when it makes contact with the axe, the sword glows and shatters the axe. The guard is frightened at yeah. what happens, and he runs away. Taryn is amazed at what he's just uh, at yeah. what he's just seen, but he's he's confused. You know, he doesn't quite understand. Yeah, he doesn't know what he has. Right. Other guards pursue an attack, and the sword activates again. And ultimately, the sword is able to protect Taryn and Ilanwi and help them escape from the castle along with Flam or Fluter. Right. Fluter. Flam's his last name, but yeah, <laughs> Fluter Flam, right. So they're able to escape the clutches of the Horn King, who finds out, obviously, yes. and orders Creeper, his little goblin dude, to send the Gwythaints, G-W-Y-T-H-A-I-N-T-S, Gwythaints. Mm-hmm. These are the dragons. Right. That kidnapped Henwin that look like fell beasts. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. get to get them back. So the group has escaped, but then soon after escaping, they begin to argue. Yeah. Taryn is feeling great. He feels like a hero. He's got this big sword. It's got magic powers. He's doing the thing he always wanted to do. Right. He's feeling like he is becoming the Taryn he saw in that pond yes, reflection. In the vision. Right. Ilanwi credits the sword. She goes, Oh, was this, the sword did it. Yeah. And also adds that she helped as well. Fluter is just kind of there, bumbling about. <laughs> He's got putting his pants on and stuff that got, that, that got ripped oh, as, as they That's were right. she was She was sewing it, yeah, wasn't she? Ilan, we yeah, Ilan was sewing it. <laughs> but eventually they reconcile and they pledge to work together. It's sweet the way they reconcile because they're kind of like, well, look, you were so helpful. And they're like, no, yeah. you were. Yeah, like, they, it's really cute. Which is important. Yeah. Because really there is not just one hero in the Black Cauldron. No. Which is a very important message and lesson for Terran. Yeah. Is that there is not just one armor-clad warrior. That's one of our first lessons that we're beginning to realize that, you know, your friends and your 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 the people that you're with to help you. Yeah. You know, on the journey are also heroes. Mm-hmm. Soon after they were joined by Gurgi, who at, initially is dismissed by Terran because, you know, you didn't help me. Right. You ran away. But he is able to prove himself useful. He finds Henwin's tracks. He's a dog. Yeah. And they are able to follow Henwin's tracks, They they which lead to this lake. And there's these stones across the lake, you know, so they're like, oh, we're, we're going to cross the lake. Right. But again, nothing is what it seems. No. As soon as they As soon as they attempt to cross the lake, they get sucked into it. And end up in this underground network of caves. Yeah. Which is where they meet the fair folk. Yeah. Which were mentioned at the beginning. Led by King Idilig or Idilig. I don't know if I'm saying it wrong, but yeah. They're these little fairies, very good, very benevolent, you know, except for Dolly. He's a little Yeah, which typically fairies are are good, but they're they can be mischievous too. Right. So they they kinda they lend itself to both. Yeah. To everyone's joy, the fair folk reveal they have been keeping Henwin safe the entire time. Taryn and the group informs the fair folk of what's going on above ground mm-hmm. with the Horn King and with the cauldron and all that. And the king of the fair folk informs Taryn that the cauldron is safe. It's hidden in this place called Morva. Dolly <laughs> is the exasperated attendant <laughs> to King Idileg or Idileg. He steals the show during this part. He's really funny. He is so funny. And he's ordered to lead the group to the cauldron so they can destroy it before the Horn King can get to it. So that is now the next part of our mission. Now that we've we've gotten out of trouble, we've we've got our team together. We've put a little team together. <laughs> 
There's a fellowship, if you will. Yeah. Now our mission is to get to the cauldron, destroy it before the Horn King can get to it. Much like the so, fellowship uh, yep. had to destroy the ring. I know. Like there's there's no getting away from this. And of course, they find the fairies. They have a fairy slash elf kind of person join right. them. Like, come on. Now, granted, this fairy is a little feisty. He does not want to do anything he does not have to do. Right. But, like at all. He's really funny. Dory, right? Dolly. 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 Yeah, Dolly. Yeah. So so they set off on their yes, journey. Yes, they set off, and Dolly is leading Taryn, Ilanwi, Gurgi, and Fluter. There is nothing that happens between <laughs> when they leave the, the kingdom of the Fair Folk, which is, this again, this little area. Little, little underground Little place. underground place. To Morva. They just, they get there. The, yeah, like, it's next scene. We've they, arrived. Yeah, they're like, oh, here's Morva. The, the marshes of Morva. Right. They're just there in, like, I guess it's like a five-minute walk. I don't yeah. know. We time, um, we time jumped a little bit. Yeah. They find a small house. They enter and see that it's filled with eyes everywhere. So I'm like, oh gosh, we're like, what's this? Well, that turns out to be nothing but a bunch of frogs. Yeah. Well, and there's also like a rune on the door. Yeah. Well, that's so you're kind of like, mm. yeah, it's just this weird little house. Yeah. And inside are all these little eyes. The eyes aren't anything. They're just a bunch of frogs. Right. The frogs jumped out. It's kind of little, oh, what the heck was that? Right. Yes. But then they see something else interesting. They find a room filled with cauldrons. Like, what the heck, I'm man? like, what? Are they going to have to, like, test them out? Are they going to have to go through them? I don't know what, you know. <laughs> right. But before we can even figure out what to do with the room full of cauldrons, suddenly, out of nowhere, appears a trio of these menacing, blue-skinned witches. Yes. Which, of course, there's three witches. Yeah, there's three witches. One of them has eyes for Fluter. Another voluptuous, one of the yes, the more um, curvier. She is. She has all the right curves in all the right places. Yeah. And again, we have some more PG stuff that happens there. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> watch the movie. It's family friendly. It is. It's just kind of like, oh hey, okay. Taryn senses danger. You know, he's not comfortable, so he brandishes his magic sword and demands the cauldron. The lead witch named Ordu. Magically levitates pots and surrounds Taryn with them, kind of taunting him. Like, hey, don't you want one of these instead? Yeah, don't you want one of these little things? And the sword activates on its own and destroys all of them. Yeah, he just grabs on. Yeah, Ordu is amazed and wants the sword. Yes. And after seeing its power, offers a trade to Taryn. She wants the sword for the cauldron. And it's amazing to me that you have this horrible guy, the Horn King, who is deadly serious. Yes. A deadly serious bad guy. Mm -hmm. And the cauldron is being, I guess, essentially guarded yeah. by these three goofy witches. Yeah, these batty little, like... Yeah, they're not, like... They're not ominous. They're not, you know, foreboding. No, they're just, like, turning folks into frogs. Yeah, and they're just... Like, they're laughing. They're hitting on Fluter. You know, one of them's hitting on Fluter. And they're kind of... Yeah, they're just exactly. Kinda ha they're just, like, having a good time. Yeah, and now, granted, their trade is a little backhanded. No, they're definitely on the, on the side of... Of being bad, but yeah. they're, but they're actually not completely bad. They they seem to operate just kind of they're kind of for themselves. They kind of just look out for Which themselves. Which I think fits yeah. the, the the traditional I'll, witch mold. Yeah. They're not for you or against yeah. you. They're for themselves. Right. That's exactly how these three witches are. They're, yeah. They're they're not for the Horn King. Right. But they're not for Terran either. They're like, look, we we just want what we want. Yeah. That sword's powerful. We want it. Yeah. This is important. Mm -hmm. Another major, major moment for Terran. Mm -hmm. So, again, Ordu wants the sword, the main, like the lead witch. Fluter is like, no, here, take my harp. Yeah. 
Gergi offers half-eaten apples. No, he, his munchings and crunchings. Yeah, right. Well, it was like it's like his apple was one he of them. He calls it his munchings oh, and gosh. crunchings. It's so cute and so Gollum. And of course, the witch is, you know, she's not having that stuff. No, she does not want an apple core, even though she does eat it. But this is really <laughs> cool. Taryn kneels before Ordu and holds up his sword, which has become a prized possession. Yeah. Ordu asks if Taryn is sure as the sword and its power would surely make him a great warrior. Taryn understands this mm. and gives it up so he can have the Black Cauldron. This is huge. Yeah. Because I don't even think Taryn really realizes this. No. But he's willing to give up the desire of his heart for something that's going to help the greater good. That is what a warrior does. A yeah. true warrior. He's already become a hero in that moment. And he doesn't realize it no Mm-mm. what is well, he because now he's become it and the reason why he doesn't see it is because what he has become does not look like what he thinks right a warrior should be or a warrior is in his mind what he thinks a warrior is and here he is being one I know. giving up his w- w- what what he sees is key to his prized possession yep and that's such an important message it's like sometimes maybe giving up what you think what you think is giving up your dream yeah. is actually the first step to attaining it. Yep. That's so powerful. That's so cool. I know and it's it's he it was essential for him to face the rest of this journey himself. Right. Without without any help, without any aid because right. it's that's the only way the, the battle can really be won because in the end it becomes a strength of heart. Because even I'm w- watching this film and I'm thinking, okay, well maybe he's going to get the sword back. I know. <laughs> because the sword is incredibly powerful. Ordu and the witches take the sword and disappear. A great whirlwind whisks their house away, leaving the group just kind of sitting there by themselves outside. Right. Suddenly where the house was standing, out of the ground, rises the Black Cauldron. Right. Before the group can celebrate, the witches appear in a cloud, taunting them again, telling them that you want to destroy the cauldron, but there's a problem. The cauldron is indestructible. Right. It can't be destroyed, but its power can be stopped. Mm. And the only way you can do that is if a willing, living thing climbs in and sacrifices themselves. Because once you climb into the cauldron, you can't come out alive. So... The idea of sacrifice, very yeah. important mm-hmm. in this story. For the greater good. For the greater good, right? So the group's in a real conundrum. So they begin to despair, you know, again. Dolly berates them and leaves. Oh, yeah. He's like, bye. He's like, you guys are idiots. See ya. <laughs> Fairy's like, nope, peace him out. Taryn says he's nothing without his sword. Yeah. So he's not, he doesn't quite understand he he has done tremendously brave things, mm-hmm. but he still is equating being a warrior with having a powerful sword, a powerful object. Right, because technically, you can make the case that up until now, he wasn't able to do any of those heroic things without the sword. But the fact that he even charged into that castle with nothing, right. you, know, you would think he would be like, no, I'm I'm doing this thing. Yeah. But he's still, you know, we, we all hide behind things that we think can keep us safe right and that's and that's all he's doing is just where's the thing that can keep me safe right Ilanwe encourages him and they share this tender moment only to be interrupted by the horn king's men <laughs> and everyone's taken captive except for gurgi 
who who leaves when senses danger is out of there. Yeah, you know. So Gurgi splits and essentially watches. Yeah, his friends take him back to the Horn King's castle. Back in captivity, the Horn King enters and begins to immediately summon the magic of the Black Cauldron. He throws a skeletal dead soldier in it, like a yeah. dead body. The cauldron begins to shudder and spew forth this green smoke that starts to awaken the dead army and then go forth from the castle. And the king sends his army forth to destroy all in their path. But in a moment of great bravery, Gurgi shows up. <laughs> and Sweet Gurgi. Yeah, and frees Terran in the group. Terran goes to stop the cauldron. To the horror of Ilanwi, because we know what this means. Yeah. Terran's like, I've got to go stop stop the cauldron. Again, yeah. not realizing, I'm like, do you see what you're doing? Yeah, he's doing you're, it. You're not, you know, you're not even realizing this. You're 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 doing something, you're doing the most bravest thing ever, which right. is you're, you're giving up your life now. Yeah. He says, I have to go stop the cauldron. And Ilanwi knows what this means. Right. Gurgi, who has come to love Terran as his master, refuses to let Terran jump into the cauldron. Before Terran jumps in, like off this little ledge, Gurgi stops him and jumps into the cauldron Yeah, he himself. says, you have many friends. Gurgi has no friends. Gurgi has no friends. Yeah. And he said, I can't let my friend die. That's what he says to... to um, so Terran was going to do it. To Terran, yeah. But then Gurgi does it. It's We were we were not at all I was prepared like, for no. that. We were like, Gurgi, no! It was so sad. This causes the effects of the cauldron to reverse, just as the witches say. Mm-hmm. Terran tells Ilanwi and Fluter to leave, hoping for a chance maybe to get Gurgi out of the cauldron. He doesn't know. He's like, maybe there's a chance. Yeah. But the cauldron suddenly begins to pull not only like the magic back into it, but anything standing near it mm-hmm. gets pulled back into the cauldron. The Horn King is enraged. He comes back to where the cauldron is. He was watching. He was like on a balcony. Yeah. watching his army march out. But he comes back to the cauldron and attacks Terran, who is ultimately saved by the cauldron because yeah. it pulls the king into it. Yeah, because Terran's holding on to like a like a handle yeah. that's part of the castle. So he's so, not getting pulled in. So the Horn King is is destroyed by his own devices, ultimately. Of he's, course. He's destroyed by the Black Cauldron itself. Destroyed by his greed and his rage. Yes. The cauldron then begins to glow a molten orange color and begins sinking into the depths of the castle causing the castle itself to break apart. With everything falling apart around them, Terran, Ilanwi, and Fluter escape from the castle. Again, you know, just barely. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. be, you know, helping each other and working together as a group, not just one hero, but three heroes working together. Right. And, of course, including Gurgi as well. Um, Which, the, again, was kind of another Lord of the Rings moment. Yeah. It was very reminiscent of Gollum a, a, a very right- falling into a the, righteous version of Gollum. Exactly, like instead of fighting over the ring, it was more like, "No, nah, I'll, I'll take the hit." Yeah, Creeper survives. <laughs> Creeper's <laughs> actually happy. Yeah, at first you're like, he's like, "Oh no, he's gone," but then he's like, "Oh wait, he's gone." Well, because every three seconds he was like choking, choking him, him yeah. to death. So I mean, I'd be excited too. So yeah, Creeper celebrates as he flies away on one of the Gwithaints. <laughs> knows what that where the other do. one went we don't know the one of them goes off with creeper so our group is on a boat again drifting away from the ruins of the horn king's castle mourning our friend gurgi suddenly the cauldron 
appears above the water's surface. Right. And then the witches appear. Our three wonderful witches. <laughs> they want the cauldron back. Fluter demands a trade. Fluter speaks up. He's like, wait a minute. We need to trade. If you want the cauldron back, what are you going to give us? Right. Descending from the cloud of witches. <laughs> just three of them, but still. I know. It's very Macbeth feeling. Is the sword that Taryn had mm-hmm. given them. So now Taryn has an opportunity to have back in his possession what he sees as the symbol of being a warrior. But Taryn has changed. Yeah. Again, he has not quite fully realized what has happened here. Maybe that's the message. All right. The untried courage. It has been tried. It has been tried. And Taryn says he's not a warrior and has no use for the sword. He refuses the sword and asks for the witches to bring back Gurgi instead. It's not that Taryn's not a warrior. Right. It's that one who has become something doesn't need to tell someone they are that. Yeah. Something. He's, he doesn't see himself as a warrior, but he is. Yeah. And once again... He realizes it's not about accolades. No. And and Taryn physically looks exactly the same as he did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's not wearing gold armor. He's not on a big horse. We don't see tra- uh, crowds cheering. He's surrounded by really people that have become his family. Yeah. And he doesn't need the sword. He has his friends. He has his family. And he just wants his friend back. The people that he loves is what's more important. What is most important to a hero is the people they care about. Of course. And not just the people that they know and care about, but just people. The land of Prydain. Yep. The witches agree to the bargain and leaves behind Gurgi. It mm-hmm. appears to be dead. Taryn picks him up and begins to weep. Gurgi suddenly awakes, I think asking <laughs> for his crunchies. Crunchings and, and munchings. <laughs> Our heroes celebrate. Taryn and Ilan, we share a kiss. Uh, pr- brought upon by Gurgi. Yeah, he like pushes their heads together. He's like, you guys have been wanting to and, do this anyway. And he's like, hey, you're welcome. And they all begin to return home. And I'm thinking... We're and they're gonna... all, they all like join hands. Yeah, it's really sweet. They join hands and they begin walking home. And suddenly we see that this has been witnessed by Dalbin, Dolly, and Henwin. You know, through, yeah, through he, the vision. Using Henwin, they've been able to see everything that's happened. Dalbin expresses his pride in Taryn. And we see through Henwin's vision, our hero's journey home. And then it ends. And that's it. That's it. I know we were like, wait, that's not a Disney ending. Right. Which is actually fine. I just wasn't expecting it. I was thinking we would get like an epilogue. Like maybe we would see. I don't know what I thought. It just wasn't that. Maybe something years later or something. I thought they'd arrive. He, I, I thought he would reunite with Dalbin. And maybe get that verbal affirmation. Yes, and be, we get some final proverb from him. And I think, like, the princess, like, who, what land yeah. is she princess of? Right. Is she going, is she just going to go be like, you know, forget it. I'm just going to, like, hang out with, you know, these guys now. Um, I, I kind of like that we ended in transit. Like, their adventure's not over. Uh, yeah, like, I lo- yeah, which they're is on the really, way. They're on the way home, but what will they encounter which, on the way yeah, home? It made you know? me want to read the books. That that yes. I loved, and I agree. You while you wanted to see more in one way, yeah, there was from another side of things. You were like, I kind of like that. There's still more to the story. Yeah, I I love it. I mean, this is a definite. It's it's. I mean, it's 
what's referred to as a Bildungsroman, which is a coming of age story. Right. We're watching uh, Taryn grow up and right. discover himself. And these other characters, too. Even our sweet, you know, Bard, who is old. Yeah, Fluter. And he is <laughs> discovering things about himself. So, I mean, that's that's the journey. And they're still on it. And that's yeah. where it ends. That's pretty cool. So and all pretty that, progressive yeah. for, you know, a kid's movie. So all that to say, once again, I, I, I just don't understand why this was a disappointment. I, I just thought this was wonderful. The only, yeah, the only thing I could think that would deter, a, like, a family would be that it's a little dark. That's it. Yeah, I mean. But there's darker stuff out now. Right. I want to talk. Again, just I, I kind of want to come full circle with this message. You know, yeah. One thing I found interesting was that, as we mentioned, Taryn never got verbal resolution that he was truly this courageous warrior. Right. Which we know that he is 100%. Right. Right. He was. He gave up the sword, which represented to him what he had envisioned so long as something that would make him this warrior. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, it can be argued, and I think you already said this, was that Taryn's journey to being uh, a warrior had already started even when he went to the Horned King's castle to save Henwin. Yeah. And while the sword proved useful, it wasn't what made Taryn a warrior. It was the fact that he was willing to give up the sword, and eventually his life, mm-hmm. they was stopped by Gurgi, but he was going to give up his life so he could stop the cauldron and save the land yeah. and, and save people who he had never met. Uh, not just his friends. Yeah, and I think you know just just the the symbolism of what he was in the beginning—a pig, an assistant pig farmer. Right. The lo- he thought yeah. I'm so my life is so boring, this ridiculous. But really, what he was learning all those years or however long being a a pig assistant, you know, he was learning to care for something or someone. He was learning right. how to safeguard, and ultimately, that you know that's like you know. The, that's Lord of the Rings too, right. you know, like that which they defend. That's what they care about, you know. Yeah. And he has learned to love and care for those All in right. his charge, and that's that ends up being what he does on a grander scale for the world. He wants to protect the world from this crazy villain. And I think that you know when we talk about these kinds of stories, where the hero, mm-hmm. the protagonist, has this desire, and they see through the journey. That what they desired, they get it, but it it doesn't look like what they thought it right. was going to look like at mm-hmm. the beginning. And again, I always just go back to it's so important to see what Taryn sees in the pond, which is this, which is himself in armor on a horse and being cheered. But what we what we see at the end is Taryn holding hands with these three other very unassuming mm-hmm. heroic people, his unlikely crew, and. I just think that's really, really awesome and a, such a great message. And there was no crowd because yeah, and I, it's just them. Because what really matters? I mean, if if he's this great hero and these cheering crowds, if everyone else loves you but your family can't say a good thing about you, right? That's not heroic I mean, at all. Because ultimately, Taryn and his group, um, they saved the world. Yep. <laughs> but and no fa- one knew. But right, and no one knew. <laughs> But the only thing that really matters is they knew. And I think that that's the message is like it, the people that you love and care about, the people that are in the in your world, mm-hmm. and those are the people that it starts with and those are the people that it should end with. And yes, you want to impact the greater world. You yeah. want to care about greater society and those kinds of things. I'm not trying to get too deep or too philosophical. <laughs> this. What I'm saying is if you're not treating the people closest to you yeah. 
with love and with care, you're never going to do that for everyone for everyone else. And I just love how it ended. Yeah. With just those four. Yep. You know, and Henwin and Dalbin were part of that too. They were her. They own. were for sure. But I'm just, you know, obviously the journey was was these four. So right, but the mentor is never so much part of that, you know, in in, in the same way. He had to send him out. Right. So he was always going to come, and I come think back you, home. And, and you said something that, that I didn't really realize that is true. It, it's very possible that no one, you know, it, unless, I don't know what the rest of the story does. I, I want to read these books. Right, yeah. We don't, now granted, we haven't read the books. We but don't know that. Taking the Black Cauldron by itself. As a movie. It's quite possible there will be so many people in Prudane that never knew. That this happened. That this happened. They'll be like, oh man, that guy's castle fell down. But like <laughs> they'll again, never know that again, it was this you know, group her- of like two children and an old man. But you know, being heroic doesn't oftentimes doesn't go recognized. True. I think most of the Truly time. Truly heroics, yeah. Yeah. So um <laughs> we have enjoyed this. I am so glad that we decided to do it. I remember when we were gonna do it, we were again, I was iffy, you know, since it was something that I hadn't seen. Yeah, and, you know. So I didn't I didn't know what to expect and then I didn't know you know how, right. how how it was going to I get. have been asked multiple times if I'd seen it because if you know me in real life I have I'm I'm very spooky my classroom is decked out in beetlejuice and like witchy stuff so I was like of course you see the black cauldron right. no I have not so now I can say that I have and if you have Disney Plus and you have not yeah. seen it Go you for can it. go and watch it. Yeah, and it it's it's short, you know, it's 80 minutes. It's, yeah, it's a standard Disney movie length. Yeah, not you know, compact but Really, I mean, again, I don't understand why this was a disappointment, but I okay, know. okay. I know. So we're going to close things down. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, the Tape Store. Yep. The Tape Store Pod on Twitter, but we're mostly active on Instagram. You know, give us a follow, give us a holler. Yes, comment on our post. We love talking to you guys and dialoguing about different stuff. It's fun. Yeah, and if you like what you hear, give us a rating. We'd appreciate it. Let's us know we're doing a good job and that you guys are having a good time while being along for the ride. So, and again, thank you for your time. Your time is valuable and any amount of time, any second you give to the tape store podcast, we just want you to know we're glad you're here and it means so much to us. Absolutely. So we're going to shut the doors though. And we're really excited to continue with spooky month. Yes. And spooky season, spooky season. Yes. That's right. Spooky Month is coming. That's right. Truly. Yeah. Next Thursday, we will be back with more great 80s and 90s nostalgia at the Tape Store Podcast. And until then, this is Toby. And this is Brooke. Bye, guys. Bye.